Well, today I want to begin at the beginning of this new year to talk with you about measuring what matters. There are some things in God's heart that really matter to Him. And so we want to talk about measuring two or three of those things in the next couple of weeks that are really important to God. Now, everything you have is a gift from God. Your health, your life, forgiveness, salvation, freedom, your friends, your families, opportunities that God's given you, even the things that you work for in life, you wouldn't have if God didn't give you the ability to work for them. So literally, everything in life is a gift from God. And God expects you to make the most of all of those gifts that he gives to you. And the biblical word for that is stewardship. And stewardship simply means management. Management or managers in the old days used to be called stewards. So when you talk about the word stewardship, we're talking about managing everything in your life, every gift that God has given to you. Folks, stewardship matters to God. And what kind of managers we are with those things that he's given us matters to God. And so as we begin this new series, I want to talk with you about something that maybe you've never ever thought about managing. I want to talk with you about being a good steward or good manager of your influence. Your influence. Measuring how much you are measuring your influence to stir other people to Jesus. You see, your influence matters. That's the bottom line. Your influence can stir other people to the place where they want to seek Jesus. You have great influence. And so I think it's important to stop at the beginning of a new year and ask yourself, how are you using your influence? How are you managing the influence that you have with your family? With your co-workers? How are you managing the influence that you have with your spouse, your friends, your acquaintances? The people that you know at the grocery store or wherever you shop. How are you managing your influence to stir up in them a desire to know the God that you know, the God that you worship, and the God that you serve? You see, God expects you to use your influence to help other people. Now, what is influence? Well, the dictionary says it's the power to affect how somebody thinks. The power to affect how somebody lives, how somebody acts and develops. It's a power. And so God expects you to use your power, your influence, to help other people move towards goodness and move towards God. In fact, Jesus says this, and this is our key scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus says, let your light shine. Why? So that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Now, the rest of that scripture is talking about if you had a lamp, you wouldn't set a lamp under something. No, you'd set it up and you'd let that light shine. 
Well, Jesus is saying, let your light shine. And as a Christian in this world, as one who holds inside of you Jesus, who the Bible says is the light of the world, you're to let Jesus, the light of the world, shine through you. You're to let the world see Jesus is living in you. In fact, God said, you are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. But sadly, as I look across the, the, the culture, the Christian culture, sadly, sometimes we are far more influenced by the world than we influence the world for God. We let the world influence us how to think and talk and act and dress and what to buy and how to tell jokes. We're far more influenced by the world than we influence the world for God. And so God is saying, I want you to influence them. I don't want you to be a thermometer that just reflects the heat of the culture. Church, children of God, followers of Jesus Christ. I want you to be like a thermostat that controls the heat of the culture. I want you to influence the culture that you live in. So today, at the beginning of this year, we're measuring something that matters to God. We're measuring how we're doing it using our influence to stir other people to Jesus. We're looking at how to measure up next to the priorities of the Christ of the cross. How do we measure up to his priorities? Because stirring matters to God. Stirring others to seek Jesus matters to God. So here are three things I want to share with you this morning that you can do to stir other people to seek Jesus. First of all, write this down. Stir people by recognizing your influence. Stir people by recognizing that you do have influence with people. Sometimes we think, I I, I don't, I just get up in the morning and I I eat my honey nut bowl of cereal and I, I get in the car and I go to work and I go to work and I do my best and I come home and I close the garage and I turn on the TV. I don't influence anybody, but that's not true. Every one of you have more influence than you think. Some of you are coaches. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are doctors. Some of you are attorneys. Some of you are stay-at-home moms and you influence those children's lives like, like you can't believe. We all have more influence than we understand. And you influence everybody you come in contact with, friends and neighbors and relatives, boyfriends, girlfriends, spouse, children, grandchildren, those co-workers, your small group, your ministry team, fellow moms and dads that you sit on the bleachers with at all of those kids' games. You influence people every single day. So the issue is not, are you an influence? The issue is, what kind of influence you are. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. You're an influence for good or for bad. You're an influence for right or for wrong. You're an influence for Christ or you're against Christ. What kind of influence are you? And the Bible says, and I think this is a great verse to to kind of pull into our lives at the beginning of a year, make a careful exploration or examination of who you are and the work that you've been given and then sink yourself into that. We need to examine and know who you are. Know what God has gifted you to be doing. 
And then use those gifts the best that you can. And you will be a good influence. God is saying be a good steward of what you have. And you will be a good influence. Now one of the greatest questions of all times is a question that God asked of Moses. Moses, we kind of know a lot of his story, but sometimes we don't know the beginning of his life. Moses was a murderer. He was a criminal. He was a fugitive. He was a murderer on the run from God and from Egypt. Until one day, God stopped him in the desert and confronted him face on. God confronted him. God lit up a bush and had a flaming bush come on fire right in front of the face of Moses to get his attention. Moses stopped, and then God's voice came booming out of the burning bush like there was some big sound system inside the burning bush. And what would you do if a bush started talking to you? (laughs) But that's what happened to Moses. God confronted him with this burning bush, and then God gave the question. He said to Moses, what is that in your hand? A staff, Moses replied, And God said, throw it on the ground. Moses obeyed. And wouldn't you if a voice was coming out of a burning bush? So Moses obeyed and he threw that staff on the ground. And immediately that staff turned into a a slithering snake right before Moses' eyes. Now, Moses is facing a burning bush, a booming voice, and now a slithering snake. And then God says to Moses, now Moses, pick up that snake. And Larry would have said, yeah, right. (laughs) But Moses obeyed. And he picks up the snake and immediately it becomes a staff again. That's one of my favorite miracles of God. That's a pretty cool miracle. But why did God do all of that? Was it just to show off? No, God wanted Moses to recognize what he already had. What he had already been given to by God. What God had given him to influence others. And that was a simple staff. Now Moses probably thought that staff was just a stick. And maybe Moses even carved that staff all by himself. And he knew it was just a simple stick. A shepherd's staff. But that staff represented everything that Moses was. That staff represented his income. He raised sheep for a living. That staff represented his identity. He was a shepherd. That staff represented his influence. He used that staff to influence those little sheepies to move along. Or to pull them back when they were out of line. That staff represented everything that he was. That's what you do with what's in your hand. What God has given you, it represents what you do, what you have, your influence. So God is saying, Moses, if you will give me your influence, your identity, your income, I will empower it. I will make it come alive. And I will do miracles through that staff. So when Moses laid that staff down, he was saying, okay, God, I've been running from you. 
I've sinned against you, but, but God, if you want to do something through me, I'll give you my identity, I'll give you my income, I'll give you my staff, my influence. And he laid it down, he gave it all to God, and it became something that was alive. A slithering snake, it was alive and full of power. And it was that staff, you need to understand, that he raised up to part the Red Sea. It was that staff that he dipped into the Nile River and caused the water to turn into blood. It was that staff that he used to strike the rock in the desert and cause water to come gushing out. It was that staff that he used to do all of the miracles that we find recorded in the book of Exodus. Go read them. But listen, Moses, once he offered to God what he had in his hand, it was no longer called the staff of Moses, but it became known, you can read about it in Exodus, as the rod of God. The rod of God. And all of a sudden, what had been a simple stick, God was now using as a tool to do miracle after miracle. So here's the point. You may feel like you're nothing more than a simple stick. You may feel insignificant as you begin this new year. Nothing special. But I want to say to you, if you will give to God whatever he's put into your hands, he will turn it into the rod of God. He will use your voice. He will use your teaching talent. He will use whatever he's put into your hands. And it will become like the rod of God. It will cause people to seek him as Lord and Savior. What Moses gave, he had in his hand, he gave his all. And that became a tool to do miracles. To influence people for good and influence people for God. So God is asking you and me the same question today. What's in your hand? What has God already given you? Many of you have talents that you've never used or never developed. You have relationships. You have contacts. You have networks. Things that you can use to inspire and challenge and influence people. And God says, if you will give me your life, your business, your family, whatever's in your hand, your talents, your time, your intellect, no matter how small and simple it seems to you, I will turn it into the rod of God and I will use it in your life to influence history. And all of God's people said, amen. God will use you if you'll give him your all. So as we begin, let's take a measurement. Next to the priority of the Christ of the cross, which is for all of us followers to go into the world and use what we have to make more disciples. Is it your priority to use what you have to stir others to seek Christ? You have a little measurement on your outline, some numbers there. Do you have to kind of live down here and say, no, it's not ever been my priority to use what God's given me to influence others to seek Jesus? Or maybe a two or three, sometimes, maybe, or all the other way, end. I always do that. It's always my priority. I, I, I endeavor to use everything that I have to cause people to seek Jesus. Let's take a measurement. Stacked up next to the priority of the Christ who died on the cross for us. How do you measure up in causing others to seek Jesus? Next, stir people by not only recognizing your influence, that you do have it, but stir people by exercising your influence. You have far more influence than you could ever imagine. 
But you can have even a greater influence by intentionally exercising your influence. How can you influence people? First of all, here's some real simple ways. Let's just start with the simple stuff. Smile at people. <laughs> just smile at people. You know? Just start. I smiled at you, okay? And I smiled, I smiled at and, uh, this guy, and I smiled at, yeah, you're smiling back. All right? You smile at some people, and you just use this simple thing that God's given to each one of us, and you let the corners go up. And you, you smile at people, and something amazing happens. They smile back. And when they smile back, what have you done? You've just influenced them. And maybe they were having a horrible, rotten day, and they weren't going to smile at all that day. But because you smiled at them and you influenced them, with the smallest, simplest thing as a smile, you made a difference in somebody's day. The Bible says a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. A smile brings joy to somebody's heart that you're smiling at. You're influencing them to not only smile, but to experience a moment of joy in what was maybe a crud-filled day for them. But you use that Christ-like love and joy that you live with in your heart to smile at somebody else, and you gave them a moment of joy. Use your influence. Exercise what you have. Turn the mouth up. <laughs> And use it. Second, next thing you can do, sympathize with them. Show emotional support with people that you come in contact with. The Bible says God comforts us so that when we have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort that God gives us. You know, God sends people into your life to comfort you. And he not only does that to comfort you, but he does that so you'll learn. So you'll know how to comfort others when they're having trouble. And there's something really special about sympathy. There's something really special about letting other people know that you care about what they're going through that opens the door for you to have influence in their life. When you come to them and you listen and you care and you, you let them just unload, that opens the door for you to have wisdom that you can impart into their life. Influence, opportunities to speak into what they're going through. And they'll begin to listen to you if you really have real, genuine sympathy for them. Next thing you can do to exercise your influence is serve them. It's pretty easy to smile. Pretty easy to sympathize. But if you really want to influence somebody to see Christ, you've got to start serving them. And that's harder. Serving takes time and energy. It's harder, but your influence will become greater. Because they will not only hear you say that you're praying for them, they're not only seeing you sit and listen to them, but now they're experiencing you caring for them. And they can see that you care. So when you serve people, it makes a real difference. The Bible says, and Paul's talking, even though I'm free of the expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to, to reach a wide range of people. So Paul says, I serve people so that I can influence them to seek Jesus. I don't have to. I'm free of all those expectations, but I voluntarily serve so I can influence them to seek Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you've got to become the servant of all. If you serve a few people, then you're going to have a little influence. If you serve nobody, you're going to have no influence. 
But if you serve lots of people, lots of times, you're going to end up with great influence. You see, the level of your influence depends on how many you serve and how well you serve. That's what gives you influence. So you can spend your life either trying to impress people or you can spend your life serving people. But if you spend your life serving people, you're going to gain great influence and be able to stir people to seek Jesus. You see, those are the two options. Impress or influence. Are we going to build our own little kingdom and our own little stuff? Or are we going to spend our life serving so we can influence people to seek Jesus? Those are the options. How do you influence? You smile at them. You sympathize with them. You serve them. And then next, you speak to them. You speak to them. If you are a Christian, don't hide it. Don't try to be a secret agent Christian. Nobody knows that I'm a Christian. I'm just going to keep it on the down low. Don't try to do that. The Bible says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Be ready to tell your story. Be ready to speak up for good and for God. And so if you will give God your voice, God will give you opportunities. And I've learned he not only gives you the opportunities, but when you step out in faith into those opportunities, God gives you the words. He fills your mouth with the right words when you step out to cause people to seek him. Edmund Burke says, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Our culture promotes and condones all kinds of evil. To turn the tide of evil, we Christians, if we want to influence our culture for good and for God, means that we've got to speak up for good and for God. It's time for God's people to speak. And that's exactly what a woman by the name of Esther did in the Scripture. She was a young Jewish woman. She was taken captive by a king. There was a beauty contest held as as he was choosing who would be his wife and his queen. And out of all the women in the land, he chose Esther to be his queen. But one day, the king declared that all the Jews were to be killed in the land. Esther's friends came to her and said, Esther, God has put you in this position as queen, this position of influence for such a time as this. So Esther could have been quiet. She could have chosen to not use her voice. But instead, she went to the king without being summoned. And that meant she could have been killed instantly. But Esther went before the king. She spoke up and she said, I am Jewish. My friends, my family, they're all Jewish. King, please, you cannot do this. And because she used her influence, because she spoke up, the Jewish nation was saved. She spoke up for good. She spoke up for God. Will you do that in this coming year? Will you speak up? The Bible says speak up for people who cannot speak for themselves. Protect the rights of all who are helpless. Speak for them. And protect the rights of the poor and the needy. You can use your influence to turn our culture toward good and toward God. The next thing you can do is sacrifice for them. You know, because Jesus made the greatest sacrifice in history, Jesus has had the greatest influence in all of history. 
Nobody has had more influence than Jesus. The Bible says Christ was sinless, yet he offered himself as an eternal and spiritual sacrifice to God. The greatest sacrifice equals the greatest influence. Jesus has the greatest influence around our world because of his sacrifice. Then I would say the second most influential person in history is the Apostle Paul. He's the one who carried the message of God's sacrifice on the cross to the entire known world of that time. And one man did that all by himself. He changed the culture. He changed history. But what gave him the ability to have that kind of influence? The Bible says this. Paul's talking, my life is being poured out as part of the sacrifice and service that I offer to God for your faith. Yet I am filled with joy. Paul was saying, I'm pouring out my life. I'm giving up all that I could have. And if you read the rest of Scripture, Paul was going without sleep. He was going without food. Sometimes he says, I was na- naked. I, I, I was being whipped and, and all of these kind of things. Put in jail. He says, I, I'm doing all of this that you might come to know God. And Paul was willing to make that sacrifice because he saw the impact it was making in people's lives. He was making great sacrifices and it resulted in great influence. But listen, you can't have great influence without making a great sacrifice. So here's the tough part. That means if you want to have great influence for God in this life, if you want your life to measure up to the priorities of the Christ of the cross, then you're going to have to make some great sacrifices. There's going to be times when God asks you to do something that's not comfortable. You can't just live a comfortable little life. There's going to be some hard, hard spots. One of the hardest spots for Shirley and I is when God laid it on our heart that we were supposed to, to leave our family and friends in, in the Midwest where we grew up and leave grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads and brothers and sisters and all of our friends and all the people that we'd been ministering to and had babies with and move 1,200 miles to the West Coast where we didn't know a soul. And that was a hard sacrifice. And then came the time when mom and dads would say, hey, Larry, a new church has opened up back here. They want you to come be the pastor. <laughs> And no, God said, stay here. And mom and dad say, hey, why don't you come home? We say, mom and dad, we're too poor to come home. <laughs> we don't have the money to drive all the way back, or let alone fly. And those are some of the sacrifices that God called us to make. And maybe God will ask you to do something that's really hard, that's not comfortable, to create a, a desire in somebody to seek Jesus. Sometimes you, God gets you outside your comfort zones on a mission trip. I mean, there's nothing like getting outside of your comfort zone when you go on a mission trip and there's no toilet. Amen? Or there's no toilet paper, <laughs> even worse. And there's no hot water in the showers. And, and sometimes you're outside your comfort zone and God asks you to make a, a, a sacrifice that people might be changed through the power of Jesus. But those sacrifices are worth it because it changes the culture. It changes people's lives for eternity. And when I talk about sacrifice, most of us think, well, pastor, you're saying that I need to maybe change my whole life, become a pastor, become a missionary. Well, maybe. Maybe God is setting some of you up for that and calling you to do that. But maybe he's just talking to you about making sacrifices in your everyday life where you don't make every day all about you. But you begin to say it's all about the priorities of the cross. 
It's, it's all about me making a sacrifice and trying to influence other people. The Bible says, don't forget to do good things for others and to share what you have with them. These are the kinds of sacrifices that please God. See, God wants you to influence this community. So what's it take? Well, it takes, yes, you recognizing I do have influence with some people. It takes recognizing that that I maybe have something as simple as a stick that God wants to turn into the rod of God and use to influence people. It may be a voice that you can sing with or an instrument that you can play with to influence people. It might be a teaching ability. You might have the gift of helps and, and you just show up into people's lives and God uses that as your rod of God to cause people to want to seek Him. But it's going to be God using that tool that he's given you. So here's the next question. Next to the priority of the Christ of the cross, which is for his followers to go into the world using what they already have in their hands to make disciples. Here's the question. Are you using what you have? What's already in your hands, are you using what you have to stir others to seek Jesus? Take a moment. Circle something on your paper. Use the measurement. No, I'm not. Be honest. Sometimes. Or always, measure yourself here at the beginning of the year. Where are you? Where do you need to go? Stir people by recognizing you do have influence, by exercising your influence in simple ways, and then as God calls you. And then third, stir people by maximizing your influence. Develop your influence. Develop it. You should want to maximize your influence because gaining more influence in people's lives is not for your benefit. It's to stir people to seek Jesus. And folks, that's why you're still here on earth. You are not yet in heaven because there's somebody here on earth that God knows that you can reach that nobody else can reach. There are some people that you can reach, that you can create in them a desire to seek Jesus that I can never reach. And that's one reason you are still here, is to influence some of those people. When God is done with you, you will be gone from this planet. I had the privilege of sharing in two funerals this week. Friday, this place was standing room only. It's 300 and some people gathered in here for a young man, 50 years old, who passed away. And... Yesterday, at funeral at Yorba Linda, friends, I got to share with over 600 people. 900 people I got to talk to about how to seek Jesus and how to find him as Savior and Lord the last two days. But folks, the reason we're here is for that very thing, is to use the influence we have, the gifts that God has given us, to cause people to seek Jesus. And if they don't have Jesus, they've got nothing. Amen? They've got nothing. They can have all that the world offers, but they've got nothing without Jesus. He's the only thing that's going to last. The Bible says heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word of God and Jesus and heaven will last forever. And so that's why you're still here. There's somebody that God knows you can reach. And there's probably even several somebodies. And so that's why you're here. And so listen close now. There's only two reasons for you to expand your influence. One is ministry, which is helping people. The other is mission. That's telling people about Jesus. And so you need to expand your influence so that you can do those two things, ministry and mission. 
And listen, there's almost nothing that God will not do for the person who spends their life doing that. Using their influence to do that. That is the person that God blesses. That is the person that, that, that God empowers. That is the person that God energizes. That is the person that God uses. Who says, God, like Moses, have it all. And God says, okay, now take up this tool. Use your influence. And then God does miracles through his life. The Bible says, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. These are evil days, amen? Come on, can we be honest? There's a lot of evil. And God says, Christians, church, make the most of every opportunity to do good. The Bible goes on and says, make the most of your chances to tell unbelievers the good news. Be wise in all your contacts with them. That means maximize every opportunity for doing good and telling others about God. Use what you've got in your family, in your school, in your workplace. And let me tell you one fact about influence. When you use it well, when you use it wisely, God gives you more. He expands it and expands it and expands it in ways that will blow your mind. And someday you're going to end up in heaven. You're going to wake up in heaven. You're going to open your eyes and there's going to be person after person who comes and says, it's because of you that I'm here. Because of what you did, it's because of what you said, it's because of how you lived. Because I'm here. And you might be thinking, I'm just an ordinary person, Pastor. How can God use me? But that's all Moses was an ordinary person, just a shepherd with a stick. And yet, somehow, God used him to change his culture. And so, here's the reason that you and I are still around. Paul says it right here. He says, For me, Living means opportunities for Christ. And dying, well, that's better yet. When you die, you win as a Christian. (laughs) When you die, you wake up in heaven. And that's winning. So the only reason that we're still here is to maximize our opportunities for Christ. We're here to stir others to seek Jesus. So remember, when it comes to your influence, it's not about you. It's about stirring others to seek Him. And when you talk about what God's priorities are, to him, stirring matters. Stirring people to seek Jesus matters. Using your influence, whatever's in your hand matters. So once again, let's measure one last time next to the priority of the Christ of the cross, which is for you and me to go into the world And use what we've already got in our hands to make disciples. Here's the question. Are you using your opportunities to steward other people to seek Jesus? Or when an opportunity comes, you just shut up. You don't talk. You shrink back. You say, Pastor, I can't do it. My my, my stomach gets to butterflies. I get too nervous. I understand that. I take Tums and I step out. So get a bottle of Tums. Step out. And let God use you. That's why you're here. More than you knew, know, your influence stirs other people. So I want you to leave here recognizing that you have more influence than you ever imagined. You're influencing people every day. Leave here determined to exercise whatever is in your hand. Use it for good and for God. And third, maximize your influence. Develop it. 
Do all those things. As you exercise your influence, you're going to get more influence. Keep developing that so you can maximize those opportunities. Would you bow your head with me? Today, as we kind of are still getting started into this new year, I'd like you to pray a prayer with me with just a commitment to do what we've been talking about. So as I pray this prayer, would you pray it in your heart? Father, I realize that everything I have is a gift from you. I realize I'm to use those things to influence others, to stir others for good and for God. Help me use what you put in my hands. Help those things to become like Moses' rod of God that brings about miraculous things in the lives of others. Fathers, we close this service. I just want to pray and bless your church. Lord, I, I pray that as each one of us just considers today what it is that we need to lay down, what it is we need to give to you, Lord, that we'll do that. And I pray, Lord, that as you say, pick it up. Go use that gift, that talent for me. Lord, that we'll pick it up, we'll obey you like Moses, and we'll see you use us like rods of God, that we'll gain such influence in our community, that we'll see person after person coming to know you as Lord and Savior, that the baptismal waters will stay hot as person after person comes to know you, and they want to make a witness of what you've done in their life, Lord, let us be the church. Let us be the influence that you've created us to be while you give us breath. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.